I think it is. Welcome to episode 46 of You Shall Not Pass Go. I am your host, Dave, and thank you for tuning in. And my God, it has been a while. Yes, since January was the last time I released an episode, and we're in October. It's been the better part of a year. It was nice to take a little break, uh, but I'm back. Can't promise things are going to be monthly. I think episodes will come as I sort of get the urge and or have news or content or people to share with you, the listeners. But the best way you can keep on top of it, as always, is to subscribe. And when new episodes come out, you will get them. But alas, it is time. It is here. We are in a new episode We are in a new time. When last I was here recording this podcast, my God, what a world we lived in. It was so different. It was the beginning of 2020. It was bright and shiny. Uh, There was so much in uh, like on the precipice of of wonderment of what is 2020 going to bring and now months later and you know a pandemic deep we are in a different different world and the the state of play has changed so where to begin um first you know i mean a bit about me over the past few months uh thankfully i've been healthy um you know uh my family's been healthy so i'm very very grateful for that uh but first and foremost i should probably say do my due diligence here wow speaking look at that i haven't spoken in so long i'm stuttering and slurring and everything else uh due due diligence there we go there's some words wear a fucking mask um please just wear a mask don't be one of those weird anti-mask people like i I don't care what your excuse is. If you are out of the house, if you are in public, wear a mask. Because it's not about you. It's not for yourself. Can it protect you? Possibly, maybe. But it's about protecting other people from you. It's about any germs that you have not going out into the ether and infecting others. And you never know who you might infect accidentally. So please wear a mask. That's my small bit of due diligence as a concerned American for this virus. Um, That being said, so much. God, where to even begin? Uh, So obviously gaming is different right now. I have not had a Magic the Gathering gathering in months. I haven't seen a lot of my magic friends. I haven't seen a lot of my friends in general. Um, I can say, first and foremost, Tabletop Simulator, I'm sure sales probably had to go through the roof because it has been a godsend. I've gotten in in the past few months, luckily more gaming uh, with Gloomhaven than when we regularly were holding our Gloomhaven meetings. Uh, Normally we would do Gloomhaven like once a month or once every other month, depending on schedules. But when the COVID hit and the pandemic started and everybody was home, we just loaded up Tabletop Simulator and started cracking it once a week. And we trekked through so much Gloomhaven. 
Also in this time, I should also mention Frosthaven. That's right. The acclaimed sequel went up on Kickstarter in the time that this, uh, between the last podcast and this one. Frosthaven uh, pre-orders are, are in, and I am looking forward to playing the sequel to Gloomhaven. Though I haven't even finished Gloomhaven itself, I am so, so deep. And as if you've listened to the podcast before, you would know full well of my uh, love, uh, my unhealthy love of Gloomhaven. Um, also, there was a mini Gloomhaven game that came out at Target, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, uh, which is about this, you know, adventuring group called the Jaws, who are, uh, it's a, like a prequel to Gloomhaven, and it's a little bit more self-contained, a little smaller, a little bit more easier to manage, but still holds some surprises and some great uh, Gloomhaven light-esque adventuring in combat. Um I'm also just about to get my copy of Tainted Grail, which, God, it had to have been two or three years ago that I pre-ordered that and talked about that on the podcast. But that should be coming in November, so I'm super super excited for that. And again, you know, I plan on using Tabletop Simulator to the max. Um, but in general, I'm interested to find out what other people have been doing. For me, like I said, Tabletop Simulator has been a way, way to go. I mean, I've been working on uh, playing a lot of video games Fortnite made its way back into my life for a hot minute. Um, you know, there's there's a lot going on there, a lot to do. Uh, but in, and D and D, oh boy, D and D, what a different atmosphere of that right now. I know a lot of people were already sort of into the internet versions of playing D and D. For me, I, I've I've described my need to have that live energy, that that theater component to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but I will I will admit that in this time, working with a camera and a microphone and some sort of platform has been, uh, you know, sort of the the alternate way of doing things well enough to give that 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 taste of what I look for. Uh, I've been using Discord now. I stopped using Roll20. Uh, Discord came out with a uh, or I shouldn't say Discord, but there is a bot that came out for Discord, which can import your D&D Beyond characters. It allows you to roll. It's called Avre, A-V-R-A-E, I believe. Double checking that now. Yep. Uh, you can go to avrae.io, and that will allow you to download the Discord bot, and you can use that to not only, as I said, upload characters from D&D Beyond, but also run games. It has dice rolling, it has uh, monster and combat importing, uh, rules imports, spells, everything you could possibly need. It pulls straight from your D&D Beyond account and puts it right into Discord for you, which is great. Um, so I can't recommend that enough. We've been using that plus the video chat that's in there, and that's sort of given the the second best form of Dungeons and Dragons during the pandemic. Um, magic has been the hardest thing, though. I find I find Magic the Gathering does just there's no comfortable way to play it over the internet. I mean, you're not going to download MTGO because that requires money and paying for digital goods and getting everything that you have in paper form already again. So it just doesn't really make sense there. Uh, you know, Cockatrice is a, is an okay program if you're playing one-on-one. Um, but even then you still have to have some sort of alternate program to chat in and, 
Um, it's not very automated. A lot of the things you have to do manually. Uh, so if you're playing a one-on-one game and you're looking for a cheap alternative, that's okay. But still, again, doesn't give that same MTG goodness, that flavor. Uh, in terms of arena, MTG arena is a great one V one platform. If you only care about the most modern cards and i don't mean that in terms of the modern format i just mean like in terms of the most recent cards um and if you like you know arena standard and arena modern that's that's up to you like fine that's great um but again even that has its limits because collecting there's sort of a a hard wall to get past in terms of collecting the cards that you want to play with because either you have to play for hours on end and grind out materials and gems to get what you need or you have to pay real money which again is not really what you want to do necessarily with a digital platform i mean if you're going to be playing it competitively you're going to be playing it you know exclusively fine spend the money and do what you need to do but if you're only going to be playing for the reason of playing with friends or just playing because of the pandemic it doesn't really seem viable or necessary to sink money into that platform so uh we tried a couple other alternatives there was this cool uh i think it was called game table or something it was an it was an interesting app that allowed four players to play magic the gathering and if you have four under the really nice thing about it is it uses your webcam and you play with your paper cards in front of you and the webcam will uh dissect what the pictures are and what the text is and it'll allow players to sort of hover over those cards and it it digitizes them so they can see what cards you're playing with on their computer and in a in a better manner and a better light um really really fascinating program it's not perfect but uh, it was it was probably the best alternative but again for us the commander uh players the players who gather up and we do you know games of eight to twelve people um that wasn't really an option and it has never been great for us to to sort of figure out a way to do it in there especially with our own rule set right like that's more if you're if you're doing just straight multiplayer magic so again, tabletop simulator came up. Um, there's definitely ways to import decks. Uh, we found a game table in tabletop simulator that could hold up to eight MTG players. It had some nice automation to it, uh, but I found that nobody really wanted to get on board with it. And just in general, it seemed a little unwieldy in terms of the, the learning curve maybe might've been too great for people to sort of figure out how to not only import their, their decks and make decks into tabletop simulator format, but also just in terms of using the system. So all in all magic, despite the fact that they are pumping out products, like they are trying to print money, even though it's, I don't know if that's necessarily working for them right now. Um, magic, the gathering, I feel like has been the hardest thing for, for me as a gamer in the pandemic, like it has just not been great. I miss it. I miss playing MTG. I would really love to have a game soon. Um, speaking of them printing out product, my God, they just it's set upon set. They've got exclusives upon exclusives. And the biggest thing right now um, that they've been really overly compensating with is their secret layer drops. If you haven't looked out the secret layer drops, um, you can look up. Oh, at secretlair.wizards.com or .magic.com. Hold on, let me process that real quick. It is secret lair. Let's see. 
as I click away on my computer here. It is secretlayer.wizards.com. Um, they pump one of these out like once a month or so, and they're usually reprint cards, sometimes an alternate art around a certain theme. Um, and sometimes they're great cards, sometimes they're not so great cards. Uh, but what's really been on the ire right now is that Secret Lair has been printing, like most recently they printed a Walking Dead tie-in where they printed five brand new cards that are essentially only usable in Eternal formats. Um, so that's not great i mean i'm sorry if you're a walking dead fan fine like you really want to play with negan and michonne daryl rick glenn great fantastic like you are going to be able to do that now but um if you wanted to play with cards that you can actually use across many different decks in many different formats, well, then this set isn't for you. This set is just a money grab for people that love Walking Dead or that are like commander only and they're like, oh, you can only get these cards in this specific set and never again. Um, so again, I'm not a big fan of this idea um, of printing, um, but it is what it is. Some of the other secret layer drops have been actually really, really great. They had uh, like a Zendikar revisited one, which had a lot of great cards from Zendikar. Avenger was in there. A couple others. Uh, Every dog has its day. It was a really interesting set. It had like dig through time, rest in peace, ancient grudge. Um, they had a prime slime deck, which was like all about oozes. And I think Mimeoplasm was in there. Um, there's been just a whole bunch of like really interesting drops with some really decent, decent cards. Uh, but again, it's like they just keep printing out. It's like there, there's so many people right now who have lost their jobs or are going through financial hardships. And it's almost like, and I'm sure Wizards is hurting because of it. But at the same time, it's almost like they've decided, oh, you don't have any money? Why don't we make this the time that we print as much as we possibly can just so you know, if you have the inkling that you have a small amount of money that you should use to eat, maybe instead you should try and spend it on magic cards. And it just seems almost devious in terms of their marketing strategy. Uh, yeah, but, you know, in general, MTG for me right now is kind of a, a no-go in the pandemic. Um, though, one thing that I will say, and I can't talk about this yet, this is technically, well... What I'm about to say isn't confidential, but I can't talk about anything else about it. It's sort of a fight club ruling here is Magic the Gathering has partnered up with Cryptic Studios for an action RPG game called Magic Legends, which will be coming out in the future. And somehow I was very graciously invited to take play, uh, take part in a closed alpha play test of the game closed alpha i've never been part of a closed alpha before i've been part of tons of open and closed betas and i was part of an open alpha um but i've never been invited to a closed alpha before that's like insane to me i don't know if i just got lucky when i signed up for the for the you know for play testing i don't know if maybe one of them dropped by the ysmpg uh podcast and we're like hey this guy uh, knows magic we like him let's bring him in whatever the case may be 
I'm very, very gracious that I've I've gotten this opportunity. It starts in about a week. Today's the 24th on the 20, I think it's like the 29th. The alpha begins for me. Um, but that's about as far as I can talk about it. I'm, you know, I signed an NDA, so I can tell you that I got invited into it, but I won't be able to, you know, share my impressions of it or uh, anything about gameplay or really anything at all when I experience it until after the NDA is dropped and or until after the game is is released. Um, so, yeah, all I can say is I'm excited, but that's about as far as I can get. Uh, what else? My God. Um, I got a dog. That's not necessarily gaming related, but I did get a dog and I'm very, very happy to have my dog Archimedes or Archie. Um, so there's some gaming to be had there. And in terms of like, you know, throwing a ball, not really tabletop gaming. At least I hope not. You wouldn't want that dog on a table. He's huge now. Um, what else? You know, I don't know. Life is just going by. And that's just sort of what it is. But it is, oh man, it's technically Halloween. It's the 31 days of Halloween on Geek Aid. I should be doing something spooky. I should definitely be doing something spooky. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. Yes, of course. So what I'm going to do right now in the Halloween form for you is I am going to read to you one of my favorite creepypastas. Uh, if you've never read creepypasta before, you know, it's this whole internet thing that was huge years and years ago. I don't even know if people still care about creepypastas, but they're essentially just scary internet stories as best as I can explain them. Usually a creepypasta will revolve around some sort of you know, theme. It might be something nerdy. Nowadays, probably not even. Um, but assume creepypasta equals internet scary spoop. Um, not a lot of creepypastas really have ever affected me, per se. Um, you know, as you know from past pain in the ass marathons and from when Jengis and I watched A Quiet Place and live streamed our reactions. This kind of stuff doesn't really get to me, but I will say that I liked this one. This was a creepypasta about Pokemon, of all things, and um, it's best when you have, I find, the Lavender Town theme playing in the background, so with a bit of editing magic... There you go. It begins. Uh, and so I'm going to read this to you as my contribution to October and Halloween. <clears throat> this is called uh, Pokemon Black, and I am reading it from the Creepypasta Wiki. I'm what you would call a collector of bootleg Pokemon games. Pokemon Diamond and Jade, Chaos Black, etc., it's amazing the frequency in which you can find them at pawn shops, Goodwill, flea markets, and such. They're generally fun, even if they are unplayable, which they often are. The mistranslations and poor quality make them unintentionally humorous. I've been able to find most of the ones that I've played online, but there's one that I haven't seen any mention of. I bought it at a flea market about five years ago. I have a picture of the cartridge in case anyone recognizes it. Unfortunately, when I moved two years ago, I lost the game, so I can't provide you with screen caps. Sorry. The game started with the familiar Nidorino and Gengar intro of the red and blue version. 
However, the press start screen had been altered. Red was there, but the Pokemon did not cycle through. It also said black version under the Pokemon logo. Upon selecting new game, the game started the Professor Oak speech, and it quickly became evident that the game was essentially Pokemon Red version. After selecting your starter, if you looked at your Pokemon, you had, in addition to Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle, another Pokemon. Ghost. The Pokemon was level 1. It had the sprite of the ghosts that are encountered in the Lavender Town Tower before obtaining the Sylphscope. It had one attack. Curse. I know that there is a real move named Curse, but the attack did not exist in Generation 1, so it appears that it was hacked in. Defending Pokemon were unable to attack Ghost, it would only say that they were too scared to move. When the move Curse was used in battle, the screen would be cut to black. The cry of the defending Pokemon would be heard, but it was distorted, played at a much lower pitch than normal. The battle screen would then reappear, and the defending Pokemon would be gone. If used in battle against a trainer, when the Pokeballs representing their Pokemon would appear in the corner, they would have one fewer Pokeball. The implication was that the Pokemon died. What's even stranger is that, after defeating a trainer and seeing Red received $200 for winning, the battle commands would appear again. If you selected Run, the battle would end as it normally does. You could also select Curse. If you did, upon returning to the overworld, the trainer's sprite would be gone. After leaving and re-entering the area, the spot where the trainer had been would be replaced with a tombstone, like the ones in Lavender Town. The move curse was not usable in all instances. It would fail against ghost Pokemon, it would also fail if it was used against trainers that you would have to face again, such as your rival or Giovanni. It was usable in your final battle against them, however. I figured this was the gimmick of the game, allowing you to use the previously uncapturable ghosts, and because curse made the game so easy, I essentially used it throughout the whole adventure. The game changed quite a bit after defeating the Elite Four. After viewing the Hall of Fame, which consisted of Ghost and a couple of Pokemon I had used for HMs, the screen cut to black. A black box appeared with the words, Many years later. It then cut to Lavender Town. An old man was standing looking at tombstones, and you realize that the old man is your character. The man moved at only half the normal walking speed. You no longer had any Pokemon with you, not even Ghost, who up to this point had been impossible to remove from your party through depositing in the PC. The overworld was entirely empty. There were no people at all. There were still the tombstones of the trainers that you used Curse on, however. You could go pretty much everywhere in the overworld at this point, though your movement was limited by the fact that you had no Pokemon to use HMs. And regardless of where you went, the music of Lavender Town continued on an infinite loop. After wandering for a while, I found that if you go through Diglett's cave, one of the cuttable bushes that normally blocks the path on the outer side is no longer there, allowing you to advance and return to Pallet Town. Upon entering your house and going into the exact tile where you start the game, the screen would cut to black. Then a sprite of a Caterpie appeared. It was then replaced by a Weedle, and then a Pidgey. I soon realized as the Pokemon progressed from Rattata to Blastoise that these were all the Pokemon that I had used Curse on. After the end of my rival's team, a youngster appeared, and then a bug catcher, and then all the trainers that I had cursed. 
Throughout the sequence, the Lavender Town music was playing, but it was slowly decreasing in pitch. By the time your rival appeared on the screen, it was little more than demonic rubble. Another cut to black. A few moments later, the battle screen suddenly appeared. Your trainer sprite was now that of the old man, the same one as the one who teaches you how to catch Pokemon in Viridian City. Ghost appeared on the other side, along with the words, Ghost wants to fight. You couldn't use items, and you had no Pokemon. If you tried to run, you couldn't escape. The only option was fight. Using fight would immediately cause you to struggle, which didn't affect Ghost, but it did chip off a bit of your own HP. When it was Ghost's turn to attack, it would simply say, dot dot dot. Eventually, when your HP reached a critical point, Ghost would finally use the curse. The screen cut to black a final time. Regardless of the buttons you pressed, you were permanently stuck in this black screen. At this point, the only thing you could do was turn the Game Boy off. When you played again, new game was the only option. The game had erased the file. I played through this hacked game many, many times, and every time the game ended with this sequence. Several times I didn't use Ghost at all, though he was impossible to remove from the party. In these cases, it did not show any Pokemon nor any trainers and simply cut to the climactic battle with Ghost. I'm not sure what the motives were behind the creator of this hack. It wasn't widely distributed, so it was presumably not for monetary gain. It was very well done for a bootleg. It seems he was trying to convey a message, though it seems I am the sole receiver of this message. Not entirely sure what it was, the inevitability of death, the pointlessness of it. Perhaps he was simply trying to morbidly inject death and darkness into a children's game. Regardless, this children's game has made me think, and it has made me cry. And there it is. Uh, that's the Pokemon Creepypasta that, to me, it just it gets me every time. I just, I love it. I, I smile when I'm reading it because it's just, I mean, clearly it's cheesy, but at the same time, there's just something about it that really, I think, is uh, appealing to the uh, unsettling aspect of the season. So hopefully you enjoyed it, too. Uh, I'm going to be, ooh, I should mention that Baldur's Gate 3... Uh, just came out a couple days ago. Not the full game. This is an open beta test that people can pay for now. You, it's the full price of the game. You get the game when it's you know when it's fully done. You will get the full version of the game. But for now, it's, I think it's like the first act. It looks great. I'm very very excited to play it. And when I play that, I will give you an update and probably talk about it during the next cast. In the meantime, have a happy Halloween. Please go vote. Please stay safe and be healthy. And remember that the best way to find new episodes of YSMPG is to subscribe. See you around.